Hello and welcome. Today we are in chapter four of No Earthly Reason with Jody and Marsha. During chapter four, Marsha is a little bit all over the Bellbrook Sugar Creek area doing what she does best, investigating. So we're going to start uh, with, tell me about what happened, what did your daughter find when she was coming out of the grocery store in Lebanon? Well, let me just explain, if you missed the last podcast, we had just captured some unexplained photos behind Sugar Creek Elementary, Mm -hmm. and they were three-part lights, and we had no earthly reason for what they possibly could be. Mm -hmm. So I shared them with my daughter, and she happened to be at the grocery store in Lebanon, and she happened to park next to this van that had this magnetic sign on it that said, got ghosts question mark mm-hmm. and this was back as like a take on when uh it was so popular tv commercial got milk mm-hmm. well he wanted to know if you got ghosts <laughs> and it had his phone number on it and mm-hmm. so she happened to take a picture of that wondering if this guy might be able to help me figure out an explanation for those photographs to what was going on so um you contacted him and what happened next? It took me a little while to contact him because this was all new to me, Jody. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, how often do you call somebody you've never met mm-hmm. and ask them about ghosts? Right. It's not your common subject. Mm-hmm. But after a while, I got the guts and I called him and his name is Dave Jones. And it turned out to be an easy conversation because he was a ghost investigator, right. so this wasn't anything uncommon to him. Right. So we uh, decided that he was interested in, in the information that I had. He wanted to see the pictures. So we made a, an appointment for him to come up to Sugar Creek Elementary and go through the building with me. All right. So um, you chat a little bit. He came to Sugar Creek Elementary and met with you. Uh, where did you take him first in the building? Well, the famous Sugar Creek Elementary gym, mm-hmm. as we talked about before. Yes. Uh, lots of people in the community have a lot of experiences mm-hmm. in that area, yes. that building. You included. Yes, true. <laughs> <laughs> and so we went down into the boys' locker room first. Mm-hmm. And I was new at this. This is uh, how I, I was starting to learn by watching the things that Dave did. Mm -hmm. And Dave brought his girlfriend, Jamie, with him. So the three of us went down into the boys' locker room. And it wasn't that I was frightened. Of course, I probably was a little frightened. But as we went down the steps into the lower area of the locker room, I could actually feel what I'll call a pressure change. Mm -hmm. It was just different. Mm -hmm. And what I came to find out, um, people asked me, what do you mean a pressure change? Mm-hmm. Um, I've discovered that empathy runs deep in me. And so basically what that means is I'm empathic and I'm not an empathic psychic or a medium, but I feel those things deep. And when there is a shift in energy, I can feel it. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what I mean by a pressure change. Mm-hmm. So... When you um, first took him to the gym, did you do anything in the gym or you took him directly to the locker room? I believe we we started directly in the locker room. Right, and so then um, 
he had a flashlight. Yeah, we were down there, and um, of course it was dark. He didn't want the lights on. Mm. But for security reasons in that building, there are lights that are left on permanently Mm -hmm. for safety reasons. And so there was just a little glimmer of light down into the locker room. Now, Dave had a flashlight. He didn't want lights on. He didn't want the flashlight on. Uh, He pretty much wanted us to develop our other senses. Right. And so, and then one part of it, um, I know he told you that ghosts um, can sense if you fear them or something along those lines. So were you fearing or did you have fear of what you were doing or how were you feeling? At that point, I was a big scared cat. I'll admit that. (laughs) (laughs) And I was so grateful for when my eyes adjusted to the dark to see that little glimmer of light coming from way upstairs. That's so funny. (laughs) But your eyes do adjust. And I know um, when you say way upstairs, because that gym has those little, uh, that little window that was across from the office. So that little window would always give a little bit of glimmer of light through the gymnasium. Um, so you were in the locker room and you, you felt the pressure change. You were also feeling a little scared, but then you, next you took him into the bathroom. Um, tell us what happened when you entered or went into that. Well, Dave also had in his hand a digital recorder, which was recording. Mm -hmm. And he was asking questions and I'm standing there wondering, you know, who are you talking to? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. what was this all about? And not only was I a little bit on the frightened side, mm-hmm. um, I really didn't want to see anything <laughs> if there was something to be right. be seen. And all of a sudden, uh, we walked into the bathroom part, which was a large area. And sure enough, there I saw a short shadow person hmm. is about the size of a child standing by the sinks and they were like three sinks in a row and he was just slowly moving back and forth mm-hmm. like he's checking us out or maybe looking around to find a place he could dash and hide himself <laughs> right maybe he was scared <laughs> i was frightened dave was excited that's so funny <laughs> so after um your experience in the bathroom uh, you actually, at some point, there was something about the ghost of saying, like, uh, get me out or help me or something. Like, can you tell us what that was about in the book? Well, how, how that works is when you're recording on a digital recorder or mm-hmm. a camcorder, whatever your recording device may be, you don't hear it in real time. Mm-hmm. You have to go back and listen to it. Oh, And so you can choose at the time to stop what you're doing, rewind, listen, Mm -hmm. and then go on. Mm -hmm. But in Dave's case, what he did, we did the whole investigation Mm -hmm. before he did his review at home later. And the reason for that is, since I've learned, depending on how many recording devices you had, and that night he had two. So let's say our... I'm going to say we our investigation lasted three hours. Mm-hmm. 
That's two devices. That's six hours. That's six hours of listening time. And then if you think you found anything, you go back and you listen. And if you think you found something, then you make a clip. So there's editing time. So that three-hour investigation is actually probably a total nine or ten hours of work. Wow, that's a lot. So what happened was he did that work and a week later came back and shared it with us. Okay. So, um, so you take him then from the gym, the locker room, the bathrooms, and you take him to the second floor of the old Sugar Creek Elementary building. And when you get up there, uh, what, what happens next? Well, we were in the, what used to be the old office Mm -hmm. and we were talking about the photographs and I was, that's where I was showing him the pictures of the three-part lights that we captured behind the building. Mm. And he was intrigued, and of course, you gotta remember, I'm brand new to this. Mm. He says, Marsha, it doesn't look paranormal, that looks more alien. I'm like, alien? I am just not ready for that. Right. And, but we were feeling, and he was picking up on Um, electronic spikes and things like that throughout the building Mm. then all of a sudden it just dissipated it was gone Mm. and this is about midnight by the time we had done our total walkthrough of the whole building and about that time they're thinking well there's nothing here now Mm -hmm. and I happened to look outside the the window we're on the second floor and there's a house catty cornered from where I was standing that had 12 to 18 solar lights in their yard. Mm -hmm. And you know, and solar lights lose their power, they they tend to flicker. Mm -hmm. Well, these lights were just lighting up one at a time, full light, blink, off, blink, one after another after another, a Mm -hmm. random pattern. Mm -hmm. And I pointed it out to them and they didn't think much of it because you know they're solar lights and Mm -hmm. and they malfunction I said but look what they're doing they are just blinking off randomly Mm -hmm. and to me it was like whatever we were experiencing or communicating with in the building was letting me know hey I'm outside Mm -hmm. (laughs) and you know that was pretty freaky yeah I'm sure and so um at one point in the book uh when you're on the second floor um it talks about how you saw a large, like, dark figure. Can you tell us about that? Okay. Now we're going to move up to second investigation in Sugar Creek. The first one was when I first brought Dave and his girlfriend, Jamie. Mm. And then when he came back mm. to me and gave me the results, he had picked up a few EVPs of uh, what he felt were more than one spirit in that building. And so if you were listening to this and you didn't know, what's an EVP? Electronic voice phenomenon, Mm -hmm. which is where a voice that you don't hear with your human ears ends up recorded on a digital recorder. Oh, okay. And so he clipped those and one of them was, get out. Mm. Of course, now it's a week later and to me, get out didn't mean anything because that was a week ago Mm -hmm. and there was another one that said help me and so we talked about that and Mm -hmm. get out doesn't always necessarily mean it's a threat get out 
Mm-hmm. Uh, it could mean many different things to an official ghost hunter, which mm-hmm. now I understand. Oh. And uh, it actually makes you want to investigate more mm-hmm. when I'm you come sure. up with something <laughs> like that. Right. But by this time, talking to my friends and the graduates that had been participating in the investigation where uh, the chapter before where we actually found and captured those pictures. Well, they were intrigued. And now that they've heard we were bringing the ghost hunters back again, and they were going to bring more equipment and do a more thorough investigation, mm-hmm. they all wanted to come. Mm. So we, <laughs> we had like eight people, mm-hmm. and the investigators brought four people. And really, now that I know what I know, that was way too many people. Mm. It would cause so much contamination. Uh, if you're trying to get a recording of something, you're going to get somebody breathing or whispering. And it's yeah. going to be mistaken for an EVP. Right. And so we were really just saying, well, this is more of a social event for us. Right. When all of a sudden something happened that uh, had no earthly reason. <laughs> and what had happened was, you know, the Sugar Creek Elementary Building is on different levels and you come into the main door you either go up or you go down Mm -hmm. so the main floor which is technically the the second floor Mm -hmm. uh, you have at the end of each hall you have stairs that go up to the third floor or down to the lower level Mm -hmm. and then there's a landing where the door is to the outside so half of us were coming up the stairs to the the level the ghost hunters were on the second level getting ready to come down the stairs and they were setting up camera equipment not yet set up when this happened so we have no documentation oh, wow. but we had eight people who all of a sudden saw this dark shadow come out of the wall on the left side <laughs> go across the landing and disappeared into the wall to the oh, right wow. And I'll never forget it. Mm -hmm. It was people were screaming, some (laughs) in terror, some in amazement. The ghost hunters were like, did you see that? And not everybody was there yet. And uh, Patrick, who was the one that saw it first uh, and saw it best, got immediately on the phone to the ghost hunters that hadn't arrived yet and said, tell me you've got the static cameras with you because we're setting them up. And um, he's actually, Patrick said that we saw the dark shadow, Mm -hmm. but he actually saw the dark shadow with a little bit of a forearm and a hand, but it was like the hand was missing. It was just a partial hand Mm -hmm. before it disappeared. It was flesh colored. Everything else was dark. Mm -hmm. Well, like, The other ghost hunters came, they set up their equipment, and absolutely nothing happened the rest of the night. Of course, of course. But but later on, and this is one thing that that I like to do now, is combine history with what we've seen on an investigation. Right, so what is significant about the hand that was uh, seen with your dark object? Well, by this time... So I used to work in Bellbrook, and I knew a lot of people. So by this time, uh, 
almost everybody knew what I was getting involved with right. and had an interest. And everybody had questions and wanted to talk to me about it. Well, I went to a friend of mine who was a longtime employee in Bellbrook and actually grew up and went to school when that building was an elementary school. Mm-hmm. And she shared with me, she's, she said, Marcia, there used to be a custodian that worked there. And during one of our community 4th of July events, they used to actually go pick up the duds with their hands. And this custodian picked up a dud firework and it exploded in his right hand, Mm -hmm. permanently disfiguring his hand. That's crazy. So that's sort of how we put together the possibilities. That's so crazy. So um, so we're going to leave the Sugar Creek Elementary building and the next building... Um, that you were in was once owned by Eugene Belden, and he was actually a city council member in 1932 to 1940. And his house has obviously um, fascinated many members of the community for a long time. Um, And you have a friend named Deborah who ended up purchasing it at some point. And in 1976, there was a lady named Daisy who lived there. And Daisy and um, one of her family members, was it a sister-in-law? Daughter-in-law. Daughter-in-law. Um, were actually crossing the road in downtown Belbrook on Christmas Eve in a horrible accident. They were both hit and struck by a car and killed, um, which back in 1976, you know, I think traffic in downtown was little to none. I mean, you only went through downtown if you lived or you were trying to get to the township. Um, there was none of that through traffic going through for sure. Uh, so tell us a little bit about, um, well, first of all, tell us where the building is located, and then we'll go through the steps of what you've experienced in this building. Well, the, the building is located right in central downtown Bellbrook. Mm-hmm. And how this came about to even find out this information was our prior guest, Steve Berryhill, mm-hmm. uh, got wind of all this, and he played a major role in helping me find places to investigate. Mm-hmm. And he was in the Historical Society with Deborah. Mm-hmm. And Deborah and I had already been friends. We'd been working together in the community on other, other venues. Mm-hmm. And so he connected me and Deborah on this, the haunted part, mm-hmm. because he said, Marsha, I think you need to talk to Deborah because... She's had some odd things happen in a building they own. Mm -hmm. Now, what had happened was uh, this was all part of my learning experience, getting to kind of know what this is all about. Mm -hmm. And so she said, oh, yeah, Marsha, odd things happen. Come meet me at my building. So I met Deborah at her house that they used as an office for their business. And we went upstairs and she was telling me all the stories. It's a big open area. Mm-hmm. And she was telling me all the stories about Eugene and how he was a city councilman and that he had died, but he didn't die in the house. Mm-hmm. He had died in a, a nursing home. Mm-hmm. And Daisy Lansinger was her care, his caregiver. And when he died, he left the house to Daisy. And Daisy had her daughter-in-law visiting her that Christmas oh, wow. when the accident had happened. Mm -hmm. They were venturing across the street on Christmas Eve to go to the post office to make some, to mail some packages. Mm -hmm. 
So as she's telling me all this, I'm intrigued. Mm-hmm. And sure. and I realize, you know, I I kind of have tunnel vision. I'm focusing on it just exactly what she's telling me. And I'm intrigued and I'm not paying attention to anything else in the surroundings. And all of a sudden I found myself when I'm talking to her, I'm talking louder <laughs> and louder. And she's just looking at me very strange, like, come on, Marsha, don't you hear this? And I'm up talking louder and louder. And all of a sudden it dawned on me, what is that noise? Mm-hmm. The walls were knocking mm-hmm. and something was knocking on the walls on both sides of us uh-huh. that because there were rooms on the other side and it started low mm-hmm. and I was not paying any attention. And you just and, kept getting louder and louder. And the knocking it. got louder uh-huh. and I started talking louder oh, that's funny. <laughs> to make up for it. And the minute it dawned on me, the knock that the walls are knocking I didn't say a word I stopped talking Mm -hmm. and Deborah looked at me and said yes Marsha the walls are knocking Mm -hmm. something's trying to get your attention Mm -hmm. and as soon as I it got my attention it stopped Mm -hmm. and it was just silence after that right um there's another part um when I think you're in that one of those rooms upstairs where she and her husband um, found two shelves, like, on top of each other in the middle of the floor? Well, what that was, um, they had primitive wall shelves with with pegs as a decoration in one of their smaller rooms that connected to a larger room, which she thought was possibly a nursery Mm -hmm. connected to a bedroom. Mm -hmm. And she decorated it as such, and Mm -hmm. she hung a primitive doll on one of the on the shaker pegs and then across the top they had placed spider shells mm-hmm. all the way across the two walls and the day they decided to no longer use the building as an office was when her and her husband walked in and found in the middle of the floor all those spider shells stacked one on top of the other and they decided something's going on here, and they made other arrangements. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then um, at one point it talks about how maybe they think the smaller room was the nursery, and uh, she actually decorated it as such. Was there ever anything that happened in there that would be telling or just that she made it like a nursery because that's what they think well, it was that's, from the past. That's where the spider shells were oh. or found, mm-hmm. you know, oh, stacked okay. up. In the nursery. And yes. Gotcha. And but something else now that you mentioned that Jody was that she explained to me in that particular room, the window that overlooked the backyard. Mm-hmm. Her son was mowing the grass one day mm-hmm. and something just he had this urge to look up. Mm-hmm. And through that window he saw a man's face staring at him Mm -hmm. and he got really upset and his you know Deborah was there with him and he ran to her Uh and he described it the man and he had a sunken in face and he was old Mm -hmm. and they went and looked and nothing was there they went in the house nobody was in the house Mm -hmm. and Deborah found a picture of Eugene Belden yeah and he looked, his facial features were skeletal. Wow. He was a very thin man. 
and his cheeks were kind of sunken in. Mm -hmm. He had bony uh, cheekbones, and so they think it may have been Eugene looking out that back window. Wow. Um, I feel like, too, when I was reading through Chapter 4, there was something about, um, and it might have been when he was mowing the grass, but the outside, like a shed or something in the backyard, is there anything significant there, about that? There was a pl- there's a planter shed mm-hmm. um, that's connected to mm-hmm. it with tools, mm-hmm. and it has this just cut out of a, in the wall that would be like a shutter, built-in shutter, that she could open and get fresh air in her light if she was working. It's like a potter shed. Oh. And, but they had a hook and eye to close it, oh. um, you know, when she left. And almost every time she would come back and go back to the back of the house, it would be the, the hook would be done and the, and the shutter door was wide open. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, well, like I said, we this uh, chapter moves from different locations throughout Bulbrook and Sugar Creek. Is there anything else that you want to share about the building house before we move to our next location? Well, we do a whole chapter on that house coming up, oh. so I don't want to give a spoiler okay. alert on that. But yes, there is plenty to go around at that location. I'm actually excited to hear more about that uh, location. Um, so the next location is the as at the new uh, Bellwork Middle School, which has actually been around for a few years. And we know that historically it used to be an old farm. And can you tell us what one of the workers um, has experienced uh, while being there? <laughs> well, before that school was, was uh, you know, it's a brand new, it at the time was a brand new school. Mm-hmm. And be, you know, it just barely opened. But I had an investigation at a historical house in Sugar Creek Township, and we it seemed to have the owners would feel like a rushing wind blowing down from one room upstairs, going up and down the stairs, mm-hmm. and things would happen. They would hear things almost like it was a copycat. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, it was uh, documented as an underground railroad house. So, uh, oh, wow, interesting. So the, the owners had asked us to come out and, and just see what we found. And, mm-hmm. of course, I was still learning. And so I, I had gone along with uh, the ghost hunt team. Mm-hmm. Pretty much what I was doing between me and Steve Berryhill, we were finding them places to go. Okay. And then I would tag along because I'm responsible as the community person mm-hmm. and uh, for these people. So I went along on every investigation. Turned out uh, former owners way back when uh, had twin girls, and the twin girls, their room was in the room where uh, the, the new owners, the current owners, were finding, hearing, feeling this wind uh-huh. blowing. And, and the kitchen was not far below the bottom of the stairs so what we came to to think is what they're doing is feeling this woman rushing up and down the stairs to get things to take care of these these twin girls Mm -hmm. and the connection there was um, and her name was Edna and Edna happened to live the rest of her life in that house Mm -hmm. and she happened to be bedridden and she passed away in bed in that exact same room Oh, wow. And so um, 
is that house um, close to where the new or you know the Bellbrook Middle School is? Like, what is significant about the wind? Because it talks about how at the middle school they actually named whatever they think they were seeing or hearing windy. So I assume it's after the wind, kind of you know making that connection. Is that historical house that's in Sugar Creek close to where the new um, middle school land is, or what? Is significant about that or is there it, it's not really that close oh. but the significant thing was is this was all part of my learning process that's mm-hmm. why this chapter is called learning the ropes and I'm learning mm-hmm. how spirit can interact it doesn't oh. necessarily have to be in one place or another mm-hmm. they can go anywhere they want right and so I think this was a learning experience for me because we were in this historical house and it was a large house on a large piece of property. And I went down with two of the ghost hunters to the cellar where it was the Underground Railroad. Mm-hmm. And it was dark. And we just had this tiny little window. Uh, you couldn't even fit a person down there. So we figured it was more of like a root cellar. Mm-hmm. And then they had the tunnel next to where that window was. That was filled in now, but it was still a dirt floor in that corner. And that's where the tunnel was for the Underground Railroad that went to their large barn on the other side of the property. And so we're standing there, and there's this stone wall with an arch. And it's been there a long time. There was no actual door, but through the opening, we could see the little tiny window. Mm. And... So we're standing there in the dark, and the ghost hunters are doing their thing. And, of course, I'm still learning. I'm just watching. Mm-hmm. I'm still frightened. I didn't, you know, I didn't know what to do. But, right. but there I was. And all of a sudden, it's the second time I saw a shadow person. And through the light coming through that small window is the moonlight. All of a sudden, I could see the shadow of a head and shoulders lean in from behind that wall peek and look back Mm. i didn't say a word Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. it was just a few seconds later there it was again (laughs) just Mm -hmm. leaning Mm -hmm. i mean no facial features no nothing it's just a dark shape of a human being from Mm -hmm. the shoulders up well about the third time it started coming out again one of the ghost hunters goes and i have this recorded um on audio says you guys see that shadow person looking at us and, like, hmm, <laughs> and they're yep. like cool and I'm like yeah I see it mm-hmm. and um they said let's go in that room and I'm like ah go in that room there's something in that room right. and I of course I'm not saying this I'm trying to be cool yeah, yeah. okay yeah well, okay if they know you're afraid <laughs> yeah exactly then what happens I'm trying, I'm trying not to show my fear at this time. Uh-huh. And so they go in, and I thought, well, I'm following them because I'm not standing out in this, this big room by myself right. not knowing, you know, what the heck is going on. Mm-hmm. So we walk in the other rooms, a smaller room, and nothing's there. Absolutely nothing there. So what part did you hear the um, amazing grace being... Um, like the the rhythm of it or I mean not so not really that it was being sung but you well knew that's what it was while we're there and there's nothing there mm-hmm. 
worse, the three of us are standing in that small room where the window was. Mm. And all of a sudden it got dark. Mm. Um, it got so dark that we couldn't see the hand in front of our face. Oh <laughs> and even on my digital recorder, mm. you know, you hear the other woman going, did it just get darker in here? Mm-hmm. And it was like this curtain of darkness just came down and on us. what time of day or night was this? Well, this was evening. Um, this probably had to be between, this isn't late yet. Oh. Uh, 8.30, 9.30-ish. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like... But it was dark. It was the time of year that it was dark out. Right, okay. So it's 9, 9.30. Mm-hmm. And so we're standing there, and we're all starting to feel like, you know, we don't know, we don't understand what this is. Where is this darkness coming from? Mm-hmm. And the other two ghost hunters says, maybe this is slave related uh, with the history of this seller. Mm-hmm. And says, maybe that's something coming back of a sad part, maybe a slave being mistreated or, and they're showing us by this dark darkness. sheet coming down on us. Mm-hmm. So, we got, they even got a little concerned and they said, let's sing a song the slaves would sing. Well, none of us knew anything like that. And uh, so he said, let's sing Amazing Grace. Let's sing something upbeat, spiritual, Mm -hmm. and maybe, you know, that'll help this darkness lift. Mm -hmm. And of course, nobody knew the words but me to the first verse. Mm -hmm. And I can't sing worth a lick. Same. So, <laughs> Same. but you know, here we are trying to figure out, well, we got to do something mm-hmm. because, you know, now we're all a little concerned. Mm-hmm. So I start singing in my off tone, <laughs> crackling voice, mm-hmm. amazing grace, how sweet the sound. And Lee, the guy that was with us, he hummed it. He knew the tune. Mm-hmm. So he was humming. I was singing. And it was absolutely horrible. It was off key. And then, but this was all on digital recorder. Mm -hmm. And then the darkness started to lift Mm -hmm. and the moonlight started coming through the window again. Mm -hmm. Well, we were done. Mm -hmm. We said, okay, we're going Mm -hmm. upstairs. Flashlights came on (laughs) and we went upstairs and lo and behold, Jody. We went through all that to find out, you know, we're down in the cellar. Mm -hmm. We couldn't hear anything. A quick rainstorm had happened, and the dark clouds had come through. Blocked the moonlight, and there we are down there singing this amazing grace, thinking something, we're in something negative. something and whatever. And so I I started laughing, and I I was really relieved. Mm -hmm. But I wasn't going back down in the cellar anymore. Mm -hmm. And so I went upstairs to the bedroom with a different set of, uh, of people. And so we're doing our thing, or I'm watching them do their thing. Mm-hmm. And they had this meter that it, had, it was a multimeter. It, had, uh, it took the temperature. Mm-hmm. Um, it put out electronic fields. It could, you know, mm-hmm. it... Um, you know, you could see it registered the EMF in the room, which was all numerical and digital. Mm-hmm. And uh, it had a heat sensor as well. And the bed frame was metal. Mm-hmm. 
And all of a sudden, something latched onto uh, that meter, and it started making noises. And the guy's thinking, well, is it the metal bed, bed frame? So he's saying, back off, you know, if that's a spirit, back off from this device. Uh-huh. And so he was backing off away from the metal bed frame, thinking that was some sort of interference. Mm-hmm. And wouldn't you know it, as he backed away, it was still doing this off-key, you know, musical tone type of thing, which is part of the alert of the device. Uh-huh. And he's telling us, he goes, I'm going to reset this. this. I've never had this happen before. And before he could reset it, the meter reset itself. And it started this digital tone mm-hmm. of, an, of the off-key, similar to my singing in the cellar, the tune Amazing Grace. That is crazy. So <laughs> as we move to the middle school, yeah. it so happens a friend of mine who's working in the middle school, um, she's a manager there in food service, mm-hmm. and it's all new. She has all new equipment. You know, she's got top-of-the-line ovens and uh equipment and top of just top of the line things to to serve the students you know their lunches and um i i was wanting to send her this of i was so intrigued this file i had of amazing grace Mm -hmm. i emailed it to her Mm -hmm. she happened to still be working late she was you know at this new school in the kitchen And she was by herself. And as she was opening up the digital file that I had sent her of Mm -hmm. the the equipment Mm -hmm. playing Amazing Grace, as she opened the file, the new oven in the room she was sitting in started digitized playing Amazing Grace as well. And it freaked her out. She went to turn the oven off. She first she shut down the video. Right. She turned it off. Thought and it didn't it wouldn't stop. So she went to shut the oven off and it wouldn't respond to touching any of the oh buttons. She had to go to the breaker box and shut it down. <laughs> so that was part of that's why this is, you know, um, part of learning the ropes. Yeah, they always do say um that sometimes like through uh like light bulbs or uh, you know, different things that maybe like spirits come to visit you through that type of like electronical, electronic type things, right? That absolutely. Yeah. In fact, that I've found that is like their number one way mm-hmm. of establishing communication mm-hmm. is through electronic devices. Right. I've had some weird things happen. Um, it's not part of your book, but when my stepdad had passed away, he he lived with me and um, he would always make his coffee in this old bun coffee pot. And so, actually, I still have it today because I can't get rid of it just because it was his. But um, it was on my counter, and it would start, like, sounding like it was brewing, but it wouldn't be plugged in. Because I didn't need it anymore because only he used it, and I just remember it freaked me out. But anyways. Well, uh, let me just share with you. I know we're kind of running late here. But um, one thing that's not in the book, Mm -hmm. and I always promised when I started this podcast with you that we would be sharing some things that aren't in the book. Mm -hmm. And um, my ex-husband, he decided to play prank on me. And this was before I was ever even interested in paranormal anything. And you talk about frightened, that was me. And 
he had passed away. And my son had his giant boom box. It was a portable indoor-outdoor stereo system. And the kids would be at school, and I'd be home alone. And I always, ha- I always hated his music. You know, That's we didn't funny. have the same taste in music. And um, I would be there alone, and all of a sudden, this boom box would start playing oh, God, this yes. music. <laughs> and I'm just like... I can't stand that music. So I go downstairs thinking my son has it set on some radio station or whatever, and I turned it off. And I go about my business. I go back upstairs. Ten minutes later, there's that music blaring. Mm -hmm. And it's just this head-banging music that just gave me a headache. So I went downstairs again, and I said, okay, and I turned it off. Mm -hmm. But this time I unplugged it. Ten minutes later, the music is playing again. Mm -hmm. And so now I'm thinking, okay, I know it's indoor-outdoor. It's running on batteries. It's malfunctioning. When my son gets home from school, he's getting rid of this thing. Sell it. Give it to a friend. It's going out of this house. So I go downstairs again. I open up the battery compartment. There were no batteries. There was no batteries. I picked it up, and I threw it in the garage and closed the door. That's hysterical. Yeah, it is. That, that stuff is like, I don't know, no earthly reason. <laughs> so um, before we close today, is there anything else? Um, I know at, at the end of um, chapter four, at this point, uh, other people in the community are starting to contact you because they know you're on a mission and you're ghost hunting. Um, so I guess um, as we go into chapter five, more of those community people are probably going to start coming out. But is there anything else in chapter four? Uh, before we close today that we didn't talk about or that you need to share? Well, it got to the point I kept what I was doing rather on the quiet side Mm -hmm. until I found out people in this community Mm -hmm. were really interested, but they were afraid to talk about it. Right. And until I broached the subject, Mm -hmm. then they would talk Mm -hmm. about it. Mm -hmm. And I always tell people, and I've run into people that say, you know, this can't be, um, you're crazy Mm -hmm. and uh, you know or whatever and not like mean or anything no I know I get it but I always tell them to keep an open mind yeah and later in the book I go into that quite deeply Mm -hmm. but I do want everybody to know that just because I've had these experiences doesn't mean everybody else has and I certainly don't expect everybody to just take my word for it or believe it or even even try to experience what I've experienced because it goes both ways. Mm -hmm. If somebody wants to tell me, you know, debunk something, I have an open mind and I'm willing to listen. I listened. I used to be a newspaper reporter. I know there's more than one side to the story. Right, right, right. (laughs) Yes. So, um, all right. Well, I guess we will wrap up chapter four of No Earthly Reasons, uh, Transcending the Heart, When God Sent Me the Ghost with Jody and Marsha. And until next time, uh, we will be talking about Chapter 5. Thanks, Jody. Thanks. Have a great day.